It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast, presented, of course, by DraftKings. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. You know this. And now this week, at least Monday through Wednesday, I have this unbelievable, glorious set here. Thanks to the folks at DraftKings. Please, please check out my YouTube this week. If you've never checked it out before, this is the week, or at least social media, at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod, because you've got to see what this setup looks like on Radio Row at the Super Bowl. It is amazing. So happy to be here. Thankful to the DraftKings folks, and thankful to my guy, Emery Hunt. At F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube, and of course, the great footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guide. Emery, you and I are like two ships passing in the night. I've been home where you've been traveling to every all-star game known to man, and now I go on the road, and now you're back home. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And it's funny because as soon as I, I get back uh, home, folks are saying, oh, are you going to the Super Bowl? you going to the Super Bowl? Like, no. I am like, I've been on the road so many times, so many hotel rooms, so many flights, so many rental cars. Man, I am glad to be home. Emery, you are an absolute animal. Yeah, I want to start with that, actually. We're going to get into the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl because they were both last week. They're the two biggest all-star games. We got to know what Emery's takeaways were in terms of who – really performed well, who didn't. I've read other people's reports of guys I respect, you know, like some of the NFL.com guys, Dane Brugler, uh, but Emery's my guy, so we got to find out what he said. But I did want you to dive into this, Emery. Just the notion of in-person eval versus what you watched on video. You obviously put a lot of stock in the in-person eval because you're the one that goes to all of these different events all over the place to be able to go ahead and see what these guys look like in person. Why is that so important? And do you put a lot more stock in the in-person than you do in what you see on video? Yeah, that's a great question, Ross, and a great um, observation, because that's what it really is. And a lot of people may not know this is my first initial viewing of these prospects yes we talk about prospects all year long uh, but we're really talking about them in in the scope of college football because we cover college football and we cover the nfl all season but when you get down to these all-star game um all all of these all-star game events it's really my first eyes to watch them from a scouting lens and how they move and most important thing to be to me ross to be completely honest um and i'm and i i am thankful for covering the NFL Giants training camp, Jets training camp in person to to really 
have this perspective is body types because we know it's the old two inch 10 pound cheat on these college websites. <laughs> Some guys are even more egregious in what they put out there in terms of how tall these people are. For instance, Wake Forest AT Perry at the Shrine game for his whole career at Wake Forest was 6'5, 230. He was 6'3 at the Shrine game. So when you really see body types up close, and the cool part, which is why I am always going to do it in this manner, and I'm glad they have it tiered this way. As you go through the all-star events, and remember, I've gone to seven this year. So each one, every subsequent week, you're seeing body types. And you're like, wow, there's an uptick at each event in athleticism, size. You know, the the higher you go, the less 5'8", 185-pound wide receivers you see, the more 6'4", 310-pound Offensive linemen on a consistent basis, you see, you see an uptick in explosiveness, athleticism, and now you really get to see, okay, the guy I watched at the FCS Bowl or the College Gridiron Showcase, man, that dude really could have played in the Senior Bowl. Or the guys from the NFLPA that got called up, it lets you know that what you were seeing, that what you wrote down and documented wasn't false. So having that, that, barometer of your know, measurement and being able to rank and file guys because you now have seen all these all-star games up close you can understand why certain guys are in certain games as opposed to others so it was great to see these different all-star games in person so yes i think i put my in live scouting right up there with my film and the reason why i'm glad i do it the way i do is because if i had watched film or going or if i hadn't watched film and went to this this whole scouting uh, thing uh, in person and saw someone wow in practice, I would let that cloud my whole perspective. But because I watched him wow in practice and hadn't broken down the film yet, when I go watch the film, like, oh, he's just a practice player. He's not someone that did it in the games. So I love the in-person scouting. He is right there with my film uh, evaluations. Interesting. Um, all right. Well, let's start with the Shrine Bowl. They kind of overlap now, the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl a little bit. We'll start with the Shrine game and any guys that stood out to you there. Tying into what I just talked about, the athleticism and body type. Um, I get to the Shrine game on Friday because I drove from the NFLPA Pasadena to Vegas. Three and a half hour drive. Not bad at all. Um, So I get to the Shrine game on Friday, caught Saturday's practice and Sunday's practice before catching a red eye out to uh, the Senior Bowl. Now, the two guys that really stood out to me, it it was just impressive to see the sheer athleticism and length that both guys possess. And it was two small school guys. Um, One guy that I knew very well because I was the MC of the GLIAC Media Day back in August, met him there. It was Caleb Murphy of Ferris State and B.J. Thompson of Stephen F. Austin. For Murphy, he was a defensive end at Ferris State. Very good defense, back-to-back Division II national champions. Coach Tony Anise is one fantastic coach and does a great job of developing talent. So I know he was a pro talent. But when you see him out there, they have him more as a stand-up guy, hand off the ground, outside linebacker, edge rusher, and he was moving very fluidly. You saw him in one-on-ones running step-for-step with tight ends, 
running step for step for with backs and, and being solid in that regard, in addition to what he does in, in terms of getting after the quarterback and rushing the passer. B.J. Thompson was even more athletic because it was just surprising to me to see someone at 6'4", 230, get back in zone drops as fluidly as he did going forward and getting after the quarterback. And this was someone um, you saw play more of a stand-up edge rusher role in the Shrine game, and in the game had two sacks. So when you see these small college guys come to practice, have sustained success across a couple of days, a couple of reps that I've seen in days of practice, and then you watch the game and watch them also thrive in that capacity, those guys really stood out and really caught my attention uh, in that regard. Um, Any of the big school guys um, jump out to you or anybody that maybe got moved up from another all-star game or quarterback or anybody surprise you? Trey Dean, uh, the third, we talked about him earlier in the summer, uh, the safety from Florida as a aggressive thumper guy that flies in and, and lays you out. I was really impressed by the range he showed uh, at the Shrine game. And so much so it was like, I thought he was a corner at one point in time. His coverage skills were, were solid in, in seven on seven and team drills. He was, you know, getting over on top of the ball, making plays on the ball. And he also had a really good game. I think he was named defensive MVP of either the week or in the game. So that tells you what we saw during the week or during the practices I was there. It, it really was, was true. And I, I said this before, Ross, when what was fascinating about him, and I, I mentioned this the last time we talked, was that he came and dapped off everybody on the sideline um, once he was done with his his uh, portion of practice. And it was just impressive to see the leadership um, in, in, that, in that regard. So for me, Dean was someone that stood out rather well. You like I like the fact that both backs, um, Tavion Thomas uh, from Utah and also uh, Daenerys Prince from Tulsa, both looked the part big backs uh, with quick feet. Thomas measured in surprisingly at 6'1", 247. And he carried it well. Whoa. Yeah, he carried Whoa. it well. Yeah, so I would expect him to probably by the time – that's why this is also why it's good to see these guys live because you want to see how to wait fits their profile and then you want to double back at the combine and see how much weight did they actually lose because i guarantee he's going to get down to about 235 even though 247 didn't look bad on him but i was shocked to see that number yeah that is that that is one of the biggest things is just to get verified numbers on these guys and figure out just how big they really are all right let's get to the senior bowl well i guess before we get to the senior bowl Talk to me about, is the Shrine game trying to overtake the Senior Bowl as, like, the premier game? Like, what? what's the logic there, thought process, Emery? There seems know? to be a battle to try to be the premier game, but I've said this all the time. Um, and I like both guys that run that operate both games. You know, you talk about Jim Nagy, a great dude, and Eric Galco, great dude as well. Known Galco. They really are. Both those guys really are. Really good dudes, right? So I'm not saying this in terms of picking a side, but, you know, with the Senior Bowl, it's almost like Kleenex and Coca-Cola. You know, you could be reaching for a Pepsi and say, man, hand me a Coke. Or you could be reaching for some other brand and say, yo, hand me a Kleenex. It's the same. So Senior Bowl is that name brand that is going to be hard to overcome no matter what you do at the Shrine game. What I would hope they do, because there's enough weeks in January and the early parts of February, for everyone to have their own week, you know, and let let it be like it was before, where everyone had their own week, 
give those scouts a chance to really stay there for an entire you know process and get home for a couple of days before going to the other all-star game because now what you're doing is making scouts choose between shrine and senior and they don't really want to do that teams don't want to split up staffs because you can maximize your effort at an all-star game having multiple scouts watching different position positions um because full disclosure on my red eye flight that sunday night which technically would have been monday morning um there were about five teams on my flight too heading uh to new orleans to mobile you know so it puts people in the bind to where they may i could catch two days of practice or if you're going to do what they've done overlap, why not start practice on Friday? Because the uh, NFL PA Bowl practices, uh, contact practices are done Thursday. So Friday would be a great day to start. That way people can get three days of physical practice, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, leave out that Sunday night, and then you can go into the Senior Bowl. So I just hate the competition part of it. I think the competitive part will be to to see who can get you know top-tier quarterbacks. There were some quarterbacks that I probably thought – uh, from the NFLPA or from the College Gridiron Showcase would have been better suited to get that call up. But we saw guys from the Hula Bowl get called up and put in the game. So I, I feel like they got to go back to being able to have their own week. And, and that's the I think that'll be the best for both worlds. Let's go to the Senior Bowl, Emery. That's the one you talked about. That's the Blue Blood. That's the Coke. That's the, By the way, in, in, in New Orleans, what did you call soda? What did you call it? Cold drink. So for us, it was Coke. Like literally, you no, literally, you would go to a restaurant, can I have a Coke, and they'd be like, "We only have Pepsi." And you're like, "Yeah, that's what I meant." Like it, you know, it was it was that kind of name brand where mm-hmm. you would just say Coke, but they knew what you meant. You just meant, "I'll take a soda." Um, what you got? Like in Western PA, they call it pop. No. Buffalo, they call it pop, which I can't stand. I didn't know if you guys called it Coke or soda or what you guys called it down there. We called it a cold drink, and cold drink meant I wanted a soda. You know, if you wanted water, you get water, you ask for water. But you want to, you know, beer, ask for beer. But if you want a, a soda, give me a cold drink. And that could be anything. It could be Coke, Sprite, Orange Crush, whatever whatever was back there that had carbonated, uh, you know, fizz in it. Give me that. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly <laughs> what it was. <laughs> I love it. All right. Who were some of the guys that jumped out to you about the Senior Bowl? It's the premier all-star game. Want to get your thoughts on guys that really stood out to you? Coming from the NFLPA to go to the Senior Bowl, dude stood out like he belonged a long time, and that was Marty Mapu, the linebacker from Sacramento State. You know how hard it is, Ross. Um, to are you to ever, re- are you ever going to say a guy that's not FCS or D two? Are you ever going to say an FBS guy for any of these questions? <laughs> I'm lean. I'm leaning in that direction. There's a reason why I started with him because this is going to be the common theme. Linebackers rule the day, in my opinion, uh, out there in um, in Mobile. But Marte Mapu, six three, came in at six three two seventeen. Some teams view him as a safety. Some teams view him as one of these you know nickel linebackers. Uh, but the, the point is, when you watch these guys in one-on-ones, we know the O-line, D-line one-on-ones is heavily favoring the D-line. Running back, wire, running back linebacker one-on-ones in the passing game heavily favors the running back. Now, in blitz pickup, it's all linebackers because no running back is picking up the linebacker in a blitz pickup situation. They always fail that drill. But in this particular drill, in one-on-ones, Marpe Mapu was phenomenal in terms of coverage. 
And when you know that his background is quarterback and cornerback, now he's playing linebacker. It makes sense. So he was excellent in coverage in 707 and team. Deion Henley was, and, and I had to catch him. I had to remind myself, and this is why I love going. This was actually my 10th year going to the senior bowl. I didn't realize that till I saw the, uh, you know, the, the numbers. I was like, damn, I went to the one in 2013. Damn, that's 10 years ago. So, and I'm saying that to say this. Watching Deion Henley of Washington State, there you go, Ross, Power Five guy. Watching him practice, I, I was watched like, him. I, I called one of his games at Nevada. When he was at Nevada, I called one of his games before he transferred. He's he's been good for that long, man. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, man, this guy's having the same type of week that, um, uh, what's the what's the linebacker Warner for San Francisco? Fred um, Warner, yeah. Fred Warner. Fred Warner he, from BYU. He had that same week. And I remember watching Fred Warner having a week in the senior bowl. I'm thinking, like, I don't want to overrate him based off what I'm watching in practice because he's phenomenal. Like, and I and I kicked myself because I didn't give him as high of a grade as I did because of what I saw on the at the senior bowl. But Deion Henley had the same week. He he batted a thousand one period on uh, in running back linebacker one on ones. No one got a got a, a reception. He was knocking the ball away. He was in tight coverage. You saw him play the run rather well. He did a great job in seven on seven, and and even in the game had a really good uh, performance. So it's like this dude fits the mo of what you want at today's position. I also thought uh, on the interior, John Michael Schmidt the lineman for Minnesota was flat out phenomenal. Um, Stonewall defenders in one-on-ones, which is hard for a lineman to do. Uh, was excellent in nine Oh seven, just opening up lanes, good pass pro and team drills. Also the um, I'm looking at the, the, the roster here it was the offensive lineman from Ole Miss in um, Nick broker. Another one that was just lockstep in mauling dudes up front. And was killing guys in in nine oh seven as well, and this was something that I that I brought up the last time. Blake Freeland, the offensive lineman from BYU, and once again Ross, BYU has had a phenomenal postseason All Star game circuit season. Every All Star game that had a BYU player in, they were performing extremely well. And I thought Jaron Hall got better on the last day throwing the football, but Freeland is someone you know started a lot of games. I'm surprised he's not getting talked about as a first-round offensive lineman because he played well all week. He has what you look for at the position. He's going to be a sleeper. And um, if we're talking about defensive players, this was I thought the D-line at the Senior Bowl was excellent. Carl Brooks of Bowling Green, phenomenal week. You talk about Gerard uh, from, uh, from Coastal Carolina, Gerard Clark, phenomenal week. The Wisconsin D-lineman. I had a phenomenal week Benton, as well. I'm looking, yeah, Benton. Yeah, Benton. Yeah, Ke- Keanu, Keanu Benton in, um, from Arizona State. Nesta Jade Silvera also had a really good week. So the And the fact that Brooks is able to play across the line is huge. And also when you saw what um, all these guys are doing from a hand usage perspective, they're great with their hands. They got good contact power and, and good you know core strength, and they're quick off the ball. So that defensive line was phenomenal this week. Yeah, I like Carl Brooks from Bowling Green. I mean, they they were not good a couple of years ago, and he was like the one good player 
that really stood out. Is there anybody else? I'll give you one more. You can give one more guy a shout-out before we w- move on to what you'll be looking for from a scouting perspective in the Super Bowl. You got one more, Emery. One more. Okay, let's see. Where can I go with this? What do you okay, want? Okay, let's for- do quarterbacks, actually. I was about to say, throw out a position. People are, people are talking up Hayner. Did you see that? They also said that your D2 guy from Shepard has a hose. What uh, What did you notice from the quarterbacks? They had a rough go at it all week long, you know, and it and it's first day you always throw out the window because, you know, it's the first day there. Um, you really got to get into a groove. Some guys hadn't played football since November, since their season ended, or in some cases, uh, you know, since November. Some guys may have played in a bowl game. Some guys maybe have played late in the bowl game, like Duggan, who played as recently in, as in January. But I thought the quarterbacks really had a tough week. Malik Cunningham was the freshest one because he just came off NFL PA game. So he had a little bit more, you know, juice when he got on the field, but he's had to wait a day to get on the field because he was sick the first day on Tuesday. So Wednesday and Thursday had a really good practice, but then you start to see guys like Duggan start to get it together toward the back end of the week, um, had a really good two minute drill. The shepherd kid Badgett had a really good uh, Thursday practice and also Hayner. And those guys started to have those better practices more so in team period. It was the individual periods where the quarterbacks really had their struggles. But the team periods is where all those guys, because all those guys are, are gamers. Jaron Hall had his best day on Thursday. Again, gamers play well in game-like situations. It was a struggle for the receivers because they were at the mercy of the quarterbacks. But if the quarterbacks are having bad days in individual periods, you kind of get frustrated. So that's how that quarterback position went on both teams. All right. So next week we're going to break down the Super Bowl from a scouting perspective. You and I will watch the Super Bowl and we'll talk about what our takeaways were from the Super Bowl in terms of how well guys played and what lessons we can learn for the rest of the scouting process. But heading into the Super Bowl, Emery, is there anything in particular you'll be watching, you'll be looking at just based on guys that that you've scouted over the years. You know, one thing that jumps out to me is just all the young guys in the secondary for the the Chiefs. I mean, these are all guys that you just wrote up last year. Brian Cook, Joshua Williams, Trent McDuffie, Jalen Watson. I mean, they've got, what is that, four rookies all playing on the back end? You know, you you should not be able to win the Super Bowl if you got four rookies playing on the back end, Emory. I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't care how good they are. You should be able to trick them enough somehow or A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith. That's something I'm going to talk to um, Fran Duffy this week, from our buddy from Eagles, X's, and O's. But I'm going to be watching them just to see, you know, if they can keep up with these receivers for the Eagles because that's a tall task. It's a very tall task, Ross, and it kind of ties up to my – uh, thing that I'm looking for, my scouting perspective, because we hear a lot about, you know, well, Mahomes has been in the Super Bowl and, you know, just Jalen Hurts' first year, but how much does big game college experience matter? So to your point, looking at that secondary, we know Brian Cook played in the playoffs against Bama at Cincinnati. We know they had some high-pressure games um, in, in college when he was with Cincinnati. We know Jalen Hurts, Devonta Smith, yeah, they hadn't played in the Super Bowl. They played national championship games at Alabama. The, these are the spotlight moments. We saw Devonta Smith's name become a household one 
in his first championship game when he caught the game-winning touchdown. We know Jalen Hurts has ability to overcome mistakes. Uh, we saw him get benched in a championship game. We saw him need to come in and play well in a championship game. So, And he's played in playoff games at Oklahoma. How much does big game college experience sort of help these guys in these postseason games and also in the Super Bowl? That's one big scouting uh, thing I'm going to be looking at on Sunday. That's a really good point, Emery. And I don't know that any of us know the answer to that, but that's something I'll be looking at too is just to see what those guys are able to do in this moment. Um, Because it's like the whole thing about Brock Purdy last week. Now, he got hurt, unfortunately. Everybody's like, oh, he's never been in an environment like this. I mean, the guy started like 50 games at Iowa State playing at Oklahoma, at Iowa. I mean, he played in some pretty adverse places, you know? Played in the Big 12 championship game as well. You look at Joshua Williams, another uh, rookie fourth-round pick out of Fayetteville State. What's the biggest game he's played in? Well, they, they played in three straight CIAA championship games against Bowie State and lost all three of them. You know, Bowie State has been the, the big dog in the CIAA, and Fayetteville State, with all of that great talent that they've had over the last three to four years, couldn't get past Bowie State in a championship game. So you have guys that have played in big games at their level, um, and how much of that experience matters in the biggest of games at the pro level, do they? How much do they draw back from? Hey, when we were playing in this game, we did this in terms of preparation, or we were focused on this aspect of the game in the title game more so than we did in the regular season. The, and if you're, let's say, someone like a Jalen Watson, who at Washington State, you really didn't play in a big game. You played in some some rivalry games, but they weren't in a position where they played in some huge matchups. How much does that affect him? knowing that, hey, I can't make a mistake in this game because it's a Super Bowl. You know, so with Jalen Hurts, the one that controls the football every play, he's played in the biggest of games multiple times over. Does that put him right on par now with the Pat Mahomes who played in the Super Bowl? And he didn't have those big game experiences in college, but he has them now in the NFL. Are they on equal footing? Does that experience for Jalen Hurts kind of level the playing field from the quarterback position? So it's going to be fascinating to watch. Check him out on social media for sure at FBall Game Plan, Football Game Plan on YouTube, footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guide. I am at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. Of course, you can check this show out and you need to this week because they got a sweet set for me and everything. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Emery and I will be back next Monday. We're going to have all kinds of scouting takeaways from Super Bowl 57. Going to be amazing. Other than that, the cake is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be